All right, everyone, welcome back for another week of Growing with My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined as always by an amazing panel, starting first with Spartan Grown. What's up, everybody? I'm Spartan Grown. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. And um, if you don't do Instagram, you can find me, you can just shoot me an email at spartangrown at gmail.com. I'm both an organic grower at home and a synthetic grower at work commercially, so I can help on both sides. And only found on those places. Don't fall for the fakes out there. Next up, Brandon Rust. Welcome back. What's going on, guys? Brandon Rust here. You would normally find me at Rust.Brandon on IG, but my account has been disabled until I figure that out. It is what it is. You can also find you can also go to Bokashi Earthworks Bokashieearthworks.com for all your microbe fertilizer and amendment needs. Got some cool stuff on there. Sorry to hear about the IG and sorry to cut you off there at the end, but uh, yeah, it's a great website that you've got out there. I know that people love those products and they also love the knowledge that you drop on the Instagram and it's good that you have at least a pretty well-established backup account that you've posted on a fair amount with good information there as well with lots of good photos. So people can find you there and um, hopefully you'll be able to re instituted again like you have in the past so uh with that said next up we've got dr mj hey yes dr mj coco from cocoforcanvas.com i'm trying to get my silly camera to start working so i can like appear on the screen but it keeps telling me it won't but i'm here so i'm looking forward to another fun show i'm gonna have to cut out a little bit early because um we're doing the drawing for the grower love giveaway at six o'clock and I need to get over to cocoa for cannabis for that. Um, there's still actually time to register for that for the next like hour and a half pretty much until I leave. And then we're giving away that chilled light tonight, um, which I'm looking forward to, but I'm excited to be here until then. Sounds good. Well, it sounds like we'll have you for most of the show and maybe um, if it's not too late, maybe at 545 when Spartan jumps out, I'll pass it over to you to get your sign outs then if that'll work. I think that'll work. Yeah, maybe a little bit before that, but that should be around the right time. Sounds good. Well, next up, we've got Kyle of Pure Breeding. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. Kyle Breeder. Um, if you're looking for feminized seeds, uh, my website's a little low just because of they've all just been dished out. Uh, purebreeding.com. Uh, I do have some new packaging coming tomorrow, so that's super excited because it's all custom, and I've been uh, waiting a while for it. Uh, anybody who's lives in New England. I'm heading up to Maine to go to the uh, regener regenerative cannabis conference. So if you're into that, I'll be there. Um, other than that, just working on a bunch of cool stuff. I just uh, acquired a bunch of uh, heirloom uh, indica seeds and a whole bunch of, I, I dropped a, a good amount of money on seeds and from certain uh, few specific readers. And uh, yeah, some cool stuff coming and I just appreciate everyone being here still and that we're all doing this. And uh, yeah, pure underscore breeding on Instagram and Facebook. So thanks. Welcome back. It's always happy, uh, good to have you. And I was actually thinking a little bit about flavors as an unrelated thing that I've been working on, but um, I just think there's so many out there and it, I'm always curious to know like what's available to people in their locale, what they have, what they're growing currently and what they might think is like underrepresented because um, a little while back, I kind of started writing a little list because uh, I don't know if it was Kevin Jodry directly or somebody related to uh, seeing him in the golden tarps break it down to like four categories where they had like fruity floral um i think it was uh, earth and fuel and um 
I started just going through the fruity category because somebody said there's only going to be like four of each. Eventually it'll be like apples and we're only going to get down to like, there's going to be four of each of those categories. Right. And um, I do sort of see a little bit of that happening in the commercial space. Like you see, like a lot of people growing the same cuts and things like that, but I also do see a ton of variety and uh, to sort of rebut the idea that there's only going to be 16, just in the fruity category, I started making a list with strains and I put like strawberry and then like have strawberry cough or strawberry daiquiri and then like other flavors and went down and I got to like 17 or 18, but then I started adding other stuff that was like um, part of those other sections. And then even things that wouldn't fall into it, like cinnamon or vanilla or chocolate. So um, flavors have kind of been on my mind and uh, linking up the strains that go along with them is something fun to think about. But Kyle, you said you just got some new seeds. I think uh, if I'm looking into it correctly, maybe from Ace Seeds or World of Seeds, uh, Land Race Source or uh, something like that. Yeah, so I, that. well, um, yeah, there's a, uh, there's a, well, Ace, yeah, sorry, I'm like so flustered right now. Um, Ace Seeds, I did get uh, some Pinkleberry, which is a, a really beautiful uh, variety that they're running. I think it's at like an F6 or F7 that has like these beautiful almost purple but pink pistols i'm sure you guys if you just hashtag pinkleberry you'll see them all and so i got those and i'm kind of gonna play with those and i have some target tar, tar can, can i just in. jump in real quick before yeah. you go on to the next one because the breeder of that is uh kaya from kaya's coffee he's the pacific northwest roots um and he bred it to the f4 f5 pinkleberry so acs took it to like f6 from their f5 um but yeah it's a beautiful plant it has like the pink hairs and the I don't know if I've seen that indoor or not turn pink, but it's definitely very beautiful. And before we let you go on to the rest of the list, I actually do want to allow Matthew, uh, uh, Matthew to introduce himself if he can hear me because he just jumped in here. Uh, so Matthew, go ahead. Yeah, hey everyone. Some technical difficulties, but here I am. I'm Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated pest management specialist, but most of you already know that. You can find my content on the Zenthanol YouTube channel, also on the Instagram and Twitch, or sorry, not Twitch, but Twitter accounts at SyncAngel, S-Y-N-C-H-A-N-G-E-L. And I have an article coming out, I think, with uh, Skunk Magazine spring issue about uh, the various pests that you should be aware of for this upcoming growing season. So you should check that out too. Very cool. I don't know uh, how big of a cannabis community is on Twitch. I know Pedro... Uh, grows was over there for a little bit in the Michigan bros grow show used to like multicast twitch I don't know if you guys still do that or not but um yeah part of stream yard it lets you lets you do that so it doesn't and it, it aggregates all the comments from twitch and youtube all onto your one screen which is pretty nice that is really nice so maybe we will look into that in the future um but we'd have to build up that twitch following anyway I wanted to pass it back to Kyle because I so rudely interrupted when he was telling us about his pinkleberry that he got from Ace Seeds. And I was also curious about what other seeds you may have picked up from them and maybe other breeders. Cause uh, I'm, like I said, just thinking flavors right now. And I think flavors is always a fun topic. Yeah. So I actually uh, reached out to Pacific Northwest and also got some uh, F7 coffee from them. So I think between that and between the pinkleberry, and then I also got some heirloom uh, deep chunk that's uh claiming to still be pure but then some uh tarkukistan or something like that that's that's from uh somewhere in afghanistan that's very very pure um so just kind of between all those and i have uh so i would just think I, i'm just excited to see what even comes from uh mostly the the heirloom varieties and you know in regards to like cannabinoid profiles and terpene profiles and like maybe just see 
just a side side comparison of what's happening back then and what's going on now. And uh, so I'm just, just really uh, excited to kind of work with all those different varieties. Lots of different flavors for sure. Um, I think some of those Afghanis were when I got to like different smells where like leather is where I see that some of that coming out of like Afghani and like Master Kush and like older school varieties. You get some of these smells that you don't see in a lot of stuff today. Like the hazes have uh, like the incensey, like kind of frankincense smell to them sometimes. And I just don't see that very often. And uh, the stuff that is around me now, I'd say most of it is like cookie hybrids and OGs and things of that nature. So I feel like we're kind of uh, in California, definitely bottlenecked a little bit. There is other stuff like uh, Jack Herrera's and the popular Blue Dreams and things like that. But um Predominantly, I'd say it's like fuely and then like a lot of like the cake hybrids and like the desserty things like gelatos and uh, ice cream cake, wedding cake and things like that. Yeah, I have a, I have also uh, just because just I, haven't, I haven't popped seeds in a while. I've just been kind of working with stuff, but I have some 89 Northern Lights that are about two weeks old that did germinate. Uh, I have like four or five of those. I have some of those uh, Blue Vienna Skies skunks. So I'm just kind of curious what happens with that. And Gene, me and Gene from Mendocino had sent me some. Cherry West uh, BX4 or five, uh, me and him are gonna work on, uh, well, basically I'm gonna be working it and then basically was told not to release until I feel like it's actually something worth releasing. So uh, that's exciting too. And then I actually, even more importantly, I finally just bought something. Hold on, it's right here. So I got this, I bought this, uh, I don't know if you guys can even see that a little bit. Basically a pollen, like a pollen blower, you know? And uh, so basically I'm going to put Brandon's pollen in this. I'm going to pollinate. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put New England rock candy in here. And it because well, unless you have a male and you're just, the ship's flying around everywhere, it's really hard to take someone that has given you like a gift of pollen and like, and spread it and try and coat a whole plant. You know, you can do the, the, the paintbrush and all that stuff, but it's sticking to that and, once you wipe it though, if there's any trichomes, the, the paintbrush gets sticky. So now the pollen's sticking to that. It's just like a whole mess. But I think this allows me to like literally blatantly spray and spritz every all my little blood sites uh, with Brandon's pollen. So I'm going to use this uh, and pollinate New England rock candy. So me and Brandon, I'd be really excited to see what comes from that because he sent me some good stuff, uh, some good pollen. So I want to give the American one, if you can hear me, an opportunity to introduce himself. I know he got here just a few minutes late, but we're always happy to have him. Welcome, Tao. Hello, Jack panel <clears throat> and everyone in chat. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm late. I got stuck in a shopping excursion that took way too long, but um, I'm glad I'm here now. I'm glad I made it. Uh, yeah, I'm the American one on YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Akeens on the IG. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I made it. We're happy to have you. We we're just talking a little bit about flavors and uh, Kyle was talking about some of the breeding projects he's got planned, both some Cherry West, uh, I think it's at BX4 from me and Gene, he's planning to do some work with, as well as some of uh, Brandon's work. He's got pollen. I don't know if you mentioned exactly which strain you have pollen uh, from Brandon there, Kyle or not, but. Yeah, he, uh, sent, he sent me a few. I think the one that we chose, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon said, Death Breaths by Limelight. Lime 1BX. Lime 1BX, sorry. No, was it the uh, limelight? Yeah, I think it was. I think yeah. really death breath turns yeah. limelight. Yeah. So should be delicious. I know that. 
I think a ton of different stuff though. I don't have. Oh yeah. Brendan. Yeah. Stuff. I don't know how Brendan did it, but he has, I got like a package of like 70 different pollens sent to me from him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a bad thing. I plan on using it. I'm just trying to find a way to fit it into certain things. But yeah, he's a uh, Brandon's over there collecting like a little elf somewhere, man. With shit going there's, on everywhere. So there's like a, there's a ton of land race stuff in there in those pollen bags. There's a, bunch of stuff from india there's a bunch of stuff from pakistan there's some stuff from turkey um i love that stuff and there's some shit i think there's some even some like aficionado stuff in there there's some my name's earl stuff in there there was a lot of plants we fucking grab pollen from yeah i'm so upset anything when people like i feel bad because people reach out to me like oh do you want to do some trading and like I don't mean to be rude, but like, I'm not really interested in, in anything really like post 2000. I mean, I know there's tons of really good stuff, but I just personally have like a fascination with stuff pre 2000, man. There's just so much, so much good material that got lost. And, uh, but yeah, so I love all that stuff. Uh, that is old school shit like that. Really cool. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm running that onion burger, which is purple Kush times MK ultra. That was something I ran through and I found from seed stock from uh, 2003, but all of the stuff that I grew out, those plants, those varieties, they all had massive, massive frames on them, like massive frames. They make like things like GMO look like, you know, scaled down versions of themselves. Damn. Brandon, can you talk more about the purple Kush? Cause recently I did a post where I listed all the 50 strains that I plan to do for 50 strains of purple. And a few people were upset that I didn't list purple Kush, but it's this one that I don't have a ton of experience with personally. And I do think that it's been listed in other books like the can of Bible, uh, one, at least one of the versions or some other books out there may have documented it, but I just, I know that you've grown at least crosses of it and it directly a lot more than I have. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that one. Sure. Yeah. So purple Kush was actually um, alongside Afghani bull rider, the first varieties that I ever cultivated. So when I started in, I think late 2001 or early 2002, what I was growing were those two varieties and the purple Kush um, came from Oakland. And I believe that was bred by Kay from Trichome Technologies. And my understanding is that it is a a uh an afghan times a purple pakistani and it's uh you know it's really reminiscent of the hindu so if you've ever grown master kush or pre-98 bubba all three of those plants in veg look identical like you can you can't really and then the master and the bubba kush are almost the same in flower as well. And they have this like really deep, uh, pungent earth um, and uh, kind of like coffee type of profiles on those. The purple kush had really nice coloring too. It was really, um, had a lot of trichome production. It was really good weed, man. Great, great, great weed. Ran that, I ran that same variety for about 15 years, dude. That's That stuff paid my bills for a really long time i've seen like great photos of it and i've heard people speak highly of it i just it's something i never came across it was i'd only had it crossed 
to like blueberry or cross to OG Kush or something else. I never had it pure straight up. So I just only like to document things that I actually have firsthand experience with. And it's cool to hear your experience because I know it was something that you were, you've personally bred with and uh, have grown for a long, long time. So it's cool to get that kind of firsthand knowledge from you. We have a few other questions actually related uh, for you lined up in the chat. So if you don't mind, Brandon, uh, somebody asks, I didn't copy the name, but it says, if you have time, could you ask about uh, the tip, uh, tissue tests sap that Brandon is running in his grow? Would it work with salts as well to test and adjust accordingly? So I think that you could answer that and then maybe Doc might want to weigh in on the salt part. Okay, so when I'm using the lab that I do, which is Logan Labs, the reason why I use it is because they offer multiple points of data. Now, these these the the data is really just numbers in space unless you have something to compare it to, right? And so the analytics that you collect are based off of um, of target nutritional levels that have been found out through you know the different varying sciences, right? Agronomy. Uh, biology, chemistry, you know, you, they have to take all these things into consideration. Now, you can, to answer the question, you can look and see what the plant is deficient in as a percentage of its total mass as a percentage or PPM, if it's, we're talking about micronutrients. However, the issue would be knowing exactly how to, to, treat the issue because if you're running a pre-blended fertilizer um you would have to know how to you would have to know how to blend fertilizers essentially and you know how much of you need to know how much of what you need to get to that target level i think that's a Great way of answering it. And then Doc, I'm curious if you have any thoughts. I, I have thoughts on the EC thing, but or, or as far as um, using salts and tissue testing versus other options available, but I'd be curious to hear what you have to say before I jump in. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would just think you're, you're sort of coming at this problem differently when you're fertigating. Um, you know, this is basically a nutrient element ratio issue. And what Brandon's looking at is, is to see if different elements are sort of available in the, the rates that the plant wants to be able to take them up. Um, we, we just do that by mixing the things into the water each time. Um, so the, the sort of questions about adjusting the amendments or adjusting the, the initial blend, um, we're not sort of trying to solve that problem. We've solved it coming at it from a different angle, I guess if that makes sense. So I, I, I totally agree. Have the same, we, certainly you could run the same tests on the plants. Um, you're just not going to make the same sort of adjustments. Um, well, and I don't even think it's necessary. Same. You get the information from the EC runoff. If, you, if you're doing a good job monitoring it, like how they yeah. do it. Uh, if you're following a good recipe with good nutrients and sort of providing the right ratios of the elements that they want in the right, yeah, electrical conductivity overall, um, absolutely right. We kind of take for granted when we're mixing nutrients like that, that we're going to get the right ratios, but that's because we're using products that are designed for this purpose and that we're following recipes. Um, so that's essentially how we're solving that nutrient element ratio problem. I agree with what Doc's saying, but 
I think that in a synthetic feed, what you would use that test, you'd use this test, but you'd use it in a different situation for a different reason. You'd use it to say, say you're running into an issue and you can't understand what the hell the fuck the problem is. And you don't know if it's a deficiency or a lockout or something like that. You could use that analysis to cut, to use that information to determine what you're low in or what, you know, and, and where you're in balance yeah. and try to try to but diagnose. Can, it. can I just ask a question though, about like in your time at Bitten Canico with how tightly you monitor your EC in and out, how often are you seeing like, oh, this plant is super locked out and we can't figure it out? Like, has it happened like often, like monthly, yearly? That's probably in, the, no, not probably once a year. So it's usually a new cultivar or something. And, and yeah. it's, it's, you know, yeah. it's eating. Or something weirdly. happened to it. Yeah. Or maybe it got too dry and then you fucking yeah. come back with water. That, well, right. If you, or it got skipped somehow or something like that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. If feeder um, got plugged or something. Yeah, those issues are what, what screwed the plants up. So uh, other than that, you know, we're never going to come back with, it, again, assuming we're using good nutrients and following a, a sort of recipe, we're never going to come back with a specific micro or macronutrient deficiency because it's not there. Um, the reason we would, the way that, you know, you might in uh, amended soil grow because you ran out of something, we're always sort of providing a, a fresh dose of that. So when so we people get locked nutrient, out though because they give me, too much. Let me, give, yes, let me give you an example because right. you guys are thinking about this wrong. Okay. So first okay. of all, your, your EC, your EC will have, um, uh, there's a correlation between EC and osmotic, uh, uh, stress, right? How much, exactly. you know, but just because that your EC is low, it doesn't mean that your nutritional balance is right. And here's an example. Let's Correct. Say that, Correct. Let's I'm say not that, saying that. No, but let's say this. Okay. Let's say that you look at your test and your, and it shows that something like your boron is really low, right? Even though you have boron in your uh, nutrition um, and in your feeding, or let's take, and let's take copper as well. Let's say it was those two things, sure. copper and boron. Now, as the plant gets larger and increases, you could essentially say, oh, I'm going to increase the EC, right? But if you don't have enough of those nutrients to begin with for that size of the plant, the only other way to address that is to bring in just that specific additional nutrient, right? So you can That's get- That's why I refer to, level. and I actually don't advocate for increasing the EC to address these issues, Brandon, but specifically you have to be relying on nutrients that already have that blend, right? So we're not mixing our own things from, from sort of basic chemistry. We're using products primarily that already are formulated to include the right ratios of the, the different micronutrients. Yeah, um, but every strain is different. It, and and that's, some and strains that's, really suck it up and some strains don't. It, that's debatable whether they really suck up different nutrients and different ratios. I don't think there's no, a lot they absolutely to do. I can show I can show that a hundred percent, like without a doubt, if you just look at all of the data that I collect, I build SOPs based off but of could there be could there be a different reason? No, are you well, sure that what you're describing that process is what's happening yes because all of the data correlate so it's not like a sequestration thing you totally know for sure that's not sequestration it's that they're actually taking up more than others no because some of the things are you're using less right because you have the same target levels right you run those same things all across the board same environment the only difference in that whole equation is just the variety. And you're taking uh, samples, tissue samples and sap samples 
from those specific varieties. And so for instance, my death breath, it needed way less nitrogen than the other cultivars I was running, but it also had a higher phosphate requirement, had a higher copper requirement, had a higher iron requirement. You can see that and you can make those adjustments based on by increasing those target levels for that specific variety. And when you do that, and, and I test again, you can see that that has increased on the tests as well. So there's a correlation. I would, I would argue that you wouldn't see the same things if you tested crops grown with fertigation. I'm not entirely sure what is accounting for that, but it's it's interesting data that that you're bringing back. But it, it doesn't. I think, I think fertigation gets past of, that. I mean, if fertigation gets past that by constantly introducing a new. For our we'll say, we'll say a new balanced ratio. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that's over overgrown over. because we're only providing about five to 10% right. of the overall water that the, the roots have access to. If things are going out mm. of whack in a fertigation system, that'll accumulate. Like if you're not providing a close to the right nutrient ratios, you'll run into issues because you're not sort of completely replacing the water with each event. You're just kind of topping it off. And it's only, I mean, 90 to 95% of the water is still there from before you fertigated. So you're not watering to runoff? Yeah, you water to runoff, but you're watering in a high frequency fertigation. We're watering when the, the containers are oh, at was... 95% saturation. So I was, it only I was requires on just, 5% of what the media could handle. So if you think about the total amount of moisture that your plant is sort of exposed to and the, the total amount of nutrient solution it's, it's going to be interacting with, you know, most of that was not delivered in the most recent fertigation event. Um, I, only I a like small what, percentage of it was. I like what you were saying uh, earlier, though, Brandon, about um, like just because you have the test, something I just feel like people don't, and iterate. And I know we're kind of past this point, but I want to, I want to reiterate it, which is that like, you get the test result of like the sap test or whatever, the phloem and the nutrients. And that's a snapshot. And you do that over time and you have data over a period of time. But like you say, very astutely, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, what's going on. You just know that that is the case. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And I think that's something that a lot of people, um, like under underestimate or underappreciate like a root problem could be a, a cause for a lack of a nutrient not that there's a lack of the nutrient in the soil for example like maybe you transplanted and those roots are no longer able to take up x y or z nutrient for whatever reason or the or blend yes. of the soil wasn't perfectly you like just uniform right look at some of these strains and see the differences in the growth one grows super fast and one grows super slow are they gonna have the same nutrients uh necessary i don't know but the same basic uh, what, the, what does the word necessary ratios, right here yes yeah. the same basic ratio of seem, nutrients some do seem happier with more nutrients and some seem happier with less amounts i would say i, I would say well, i would say that like physiologically more, there might be want more there might be more like like maybe there's a different kind of I mean, there's some differences in like uh, the metabolism, certain compounds and things like this. How, how much that accounts for that though? But like you're saying, like there's, it's more complex, I think. Than right. that. And, 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 so. uh, and me, I'm strictly coming at this from a fertigation standpoint, right? Because we're looking at fertigation. This happens on a cellular level, right? And we're adding 
just the specific levels, not overdoing it, keeping things like sodium and bicarbonate, the antagonistic associations with the nutrients, they're balanced, right? And as long as, as long as I do that and I know what I need to do at the certain times, then, you know, you usually don't run into issues. And usually, again, yeah, so these nutrient formulations are usually pre-blended, so you don't run into this issue. I think what I'm just getting at is that with a pre-blended, if you did have an issue, not saying you're going to, but if you did, then you want to be able to know, hey, how much copper sulfate can I add in with the the nutrient mix to help increase that, boost that a little bit, you know? I think I would take a different approach to that. I think I would flush my plants and switch nutrient lines. Um, But... but if I, I do understand sort of the, the way you're coming at it. And that's because of the nature of, of sort of how you're setting up your, your grow. Um, I think that I, we definitely hammered this one home yeah. for a, quite a while. But um, I will say that a lot of people that have had success, and no other grow is not here this week, but like in the past, like he got a system dialed in and he has a lot of cold fires that he had kind of figured out and he did really well with them. And I think a lot of people do that because when you do change it up, sometimes you run into different things while you get that thing kind of figuring out your system or while you figure it out, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of anecdotal reports of things like that. So it's certainly interesting conversation, but we do have another question for Brandon. Uh, as you're here tonight, I'm, I want to get as many questions to you. Often in the comments, people are like more Brandon or, or more Spartan, whatever it is. And no offense to anybody else on the panel, but we are getting questions directed at you guys. So I want to get them answered if we can. And this one is a pretty a good change topic. I think it says, Brandon, can you talk about the difference between original glue, Gorilla Glue 3 RBX used with the Lime 1 BX. Okay, so the uh, Gorilla Glue 4, which is the cut that I used, that reverse back cross is that cut reversed on itself. So it's original glue reversal. And that's what I took to the Lime 1 because I had a cut of that that I was running. It was a little bit shorter and stockier. So it held... Uh, it held, uh, it had more support than the original four cut. And um, so I just, I used both of them when I did that um, project with that Lime 1 BX mail that I had. So there's not much difference between the two other than some of the morphology. Um, one of them was shorter. With more support because the original or GG4 as it was formerly known as it tends to get huge old nugs but it has weak little wispy branches that break off all over the place is what everybody tends to tell me yeah they usually i mean if you use a scrog net it's fine i mean it's, it's just that like if you're trying to grow it in a pot with no fucking support you're going to be pissed off that you did that it's like yeah, and i don't hold that against the plant i mean that's like growing giant flowers that are bigger than it can support i'm going to help the plant support those flowers man that's fine for me it's a good problem I, to have it's a legendary so, strain for so i've reason. got it in my bedroom right now <laughs> oh it yeah, is I, I, I hold on to the cut still and i'm going to be doing i'm actually going to be using it um i uh i i'm going tomorrow to go look at the uh the new spot and it's all vertically integrated it's already set up and stuff so um, it's just me and my partners are going to take over the spot um in broken bow like i've been talking about moving down there and uh, we have another spot that's just right down the street too which is just going to be a nursery where i can do projects at and one of my first projects over there is going to be 
using the uh, black lime reserve males that I have. So I just did a project with my black lime reserve male, the first one that I chose, but I had, um, I have two of them and I didn't know which one was better. So I figured I'd do the same exact crosses with both males and then uh, figure out which male was better, but I'm going to do the uh, Limerilla version 2.0 and 3.0 using the two different males on different clones of the Gorilla Glue. That's going to be cool. It's going to be cool to be, try to see if there's any difference. Yeah, males are a fucking uh, crapshoot because you might be like, oh, the one that I thought was going to be awesome ends up like producing the offspring that sucked. And then like the one that you thought was like, yeah, this might be my backup ends up producing the killer. Or maybe you, your intuition's correct and you picked the first male was the one that produces the best patch of seeds. But the fun is running them both and, and seeing which ones you know you like the best. The well, variety is going to be cool. When, when you use a single male on like a larger variety population and then you hunt through those populations you can get a pretty good idea of the characteristics that that male is passing on and yeah. so that's what i'm really looking it's funny because it's especially like, if you really know that mom plant too if you really know the female that you're crossing it to the more you know the plants before the parent plants the more you get, it's cool just the couple projects i fucking around with to see those parents <laughs> or grandparents pop out and it, but it's trippy too because it's like you'll see the characteristics that that male is kind of passing along and then you'd be like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's that. And if you have an, another male, you'll be able to, on the, you know, the same exact cuts, that's going to, you know, give, that, that'll give me a bunch of information on like, you know. Are you going to do like on one, are you going to do like on one mother plant, we'll call it, paint one male on one side and paint male on the other side, that way it's the exact same plant? No, no, it'll be, it'll be <laughs> just it'll be two different. It'll be two different, you know, pollinations altogether. But it's crazy to think that you're, you're pheno hunting, not for the variety that you, you just created, but you're pheno hunting to find the male that you use to try to find a good male. It's that is crazy. That's basically what I'm, you know, speaking of uh, something to breed with. I know Spartan, you've been kind of mentioning this bliss bud project you've been working on and Kyle had uh, mentioned some old timer uh, related stuff like the old timer haze you sent a post and that's one that a seeds actually carries and does well. Um, according to, I just watched the FCPO two thing again, I, I just sent it to our group, but there was like a highlight to old timer one. Cause he passed away. We mentioned this a few weeks back, but um, they talked about that in the UK 420 forum. And um, I bring that up. I'm losing my train of thought a little bit, <laughs> but um, because I wanted to mention the guy golden syrup carries a pheno called cecilia and cecilia is the parent of smile smile was old timer one's like legendary project cecilia crossed to blueberry i think is what made smile and i think uh the cecilia is like some that he talked about there's like maybe some like african variety in there but it's like a he doesn't know the lineage of all the things but it was like he always asked the people that would go on like the hippie trails to bring back seeds and whatever he trade them for like hash or bud or whatever seeds and he ended up collecting a few varieties from all over the world and uh, his whole thing was he bred for the effect and he really liked stuff that would help people with like uh mental things like depression anxiety and other things like that so the smile project was a uh, kind of a beautiful work that was well documented on like the UK 420 forums and he shared it pretty far and wide, but the Cecilia, I believe is the mother and uh, he came on and gave an interview and I thought it was really a great one. I shared it with Kyle again because he shared that post today about the old timer haze. So 
that's supposedly like the most pure haze like he calls it uh, golden syrup refers to it as like the alpha haze before like they started like messing around with it and uh yeah it's interesting stuff and one of the packs that the guy sells is the like haze and haze and heirlooms so you can you know that on blue sky you have the you're i think you already know jack you do research but yeah you have a choice to do the road the roadkill skunk pack or the uh, the hazes and heirloom packs from old timers so I'm, I'm curious i didn't i haven't touched any of those but i have them but i'm curious to see what's in there too i was talking about ace seeds when i was talking about the old timer haze yeah, though yeah. You, you posted that post and uh they ace seeds carries the old timer haze and that's personally where i would go if i was looking for the old timer haze but the blue skies vienna stuff i'm kind of to be honest up in the air on it because like brandon said old timer himself before he passed claimed he didn't know blue skies vienna and, and never worked with him so it makes me a little dubious but he shared his stuff pretty far and wide so it's not like it'd be impossible for blue skies to have acquired it so i'm kind of on the fence i don't know i wasn't there so i don't want to speak for yeah. it but yeah, if you have the seeds grow them. mean a bunch of claims saying that they were like on forum chats all the time like doing this and that so, i mean who knows i don't know i mean if yeah. the material is good whatever the story behind it is i don't know but you know I mean? my buddy kineos genetics uh, in maine grew them out and they actually found some cuts that smell like rotten like foul and they got some pretty nasty if you know like we're described so they're happy with it but uh brandon i think you want to jump in there um if you want to get kind of the scoop you can check out trevor sun grow mids on ig and he's got like he does all the history and all the backstories on all of that stuff. You have to remember, dude, cannabis has been an outlaw business for a really long time. So, you know, there's been fucking busts and people getting ripped off and fucking DEA informants and, you know, all kinds of crazy ass shit that goes along with like the underworld shady drug dealing scene, you know? So a lot that was, that was what, cannabis was categorizing kind of the people that operated in that space you know also was you know they might be doing other shit over here and you know what i mean so i think people oftentimes forget that you know talking about the haze it's kind of what i've been trying to mix in in to my trying to find more and more i've got a couple of them i got haze for days from mr toad mm-hmm. i've got that's the one i'm really thinking that i'd probably work with first when i want to get into the hazes but i got three or four different hazes that i've got just tucked away to work into the the bliss but eventually too when i get time to it but right now it's like a i think a big pone shout out to big pone he 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 put it best i think and what we were talking about like trying to describe the turp profile on it it's like a sour diesel front end and a haze back end so you get hit with the sour d diesel and you're left with a little bit of haze, like afterglow at the end. And, and, and it's just kind of like a daytime. It's not super potent. Like I, I don't, it doesn't floor me. It just, I can smoke it and go drive, you know what I mean? And shit like that, or go do something, go outside. It's, it's not something you want to just sit down and, and smoke. Uh, but uh, I haven't tasted haze in forever. I miss that. It's a very, very distinctive taste and, and, exhale on that I, i've it's been so long I always call it, it's always like spices and and, and pepper yeah. at the end or something it's like vanilla sandalwood there's so many different hazes there's band-aid haze like that the original hazes back in the day a lot of people refer to them as like a band-aid smell um that's like one of the Bodie's band-aid haze lines it was a uh, pretty popular and yeah there's just some really wicked like cat piss comes from the hazes the nl5 yeah. haze uh, neville's haze 
That's uh, one of those finos. I can't get behind cat piss, man. I do not like to smell cat piss. I don't I think if you had, if you would have had, you know, the chance to smell original cat piss, the cut that we had down in San Diego, it was one of those things that was really, really risky to grow it, especially if you tried <laughs> to blow up like a whole room because, you know, there, there wasn't enough, like, there was like, there was just no way to like mitigate the smell on those. Yeah. There's no like they carbon. Were, they were nasty, dude. They were really <laughs> nasty. Yeah. Somebody just sent me a high, high country cat piss cut. I've never heard of that or I'm not sure where high country came from, but I'm, I'm curious to see if there's some cat piss aromas in there. <laughs> the, the, the last haze stuff that I ran was um, a bunch of super silver crosses and it's just not something that you can do for commercial production because they just not only that, but the hazes, they grow like they're like train wreck, dude. Like they grow <laughs> like all over the place, dude. It's not something that you can like really tr- you'd have to have like five, six layers of trellis, dude, you know, because they're just get it busts through trellis. I did three or four layers of trellis with the blue dream, which is a haze parent, super silver haze parent. And it busted through the first two. I put another two up, busted through those, put another two up and it just kept fucking growing. It was it's, like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like the growth is pretty, it's like pretty that wild. tie that, that Kyle gave me well, and super silver haze has Afghani in it. That's a cross. That's a hybrid. That's supposed to be like, uh, you can get like nine to 11 week phenos of super silver haze. Some of them go like 14, uh, 15 I've, weeks. See, that's where I think this, that's where I think right now and where that, that stuff that's reminding me of haze is coming from in the bliss is there's tie, there's pineapple tie in it. So I'm thinking it's gotta be coming from that. I, I don't understand where else it would be coming from because everything else is really sour D related. And then there's some strawberry stuff, but my, like when I did the, the NL five haze, that was more of like, uh, lemon pine and pepper you know had that haze but it was really heavily dominant in that lemony um, that yeah that lemon kind of pine terpene from the nl um but all of the super all the super silver stuff all of that was more of heavy on the pepper and spice yeah. and uh you could get some of that kind of ammonia smell not the last ones I did, there was a couple of them that kind of had traces of it, but wasn't super strong like some of the stuff that I remember. The Super Silver has some skunk in it, uh, Skunk One, which has like Mexican and Colombian in it. And it definitely, uh, my Blue Dream, I had a pheno that I called V because it was so vigorous and it had a very like spicy smell. It was definitely more on the hazy side, that Super Silver haze, that high beta karyophyllene uh, content as far as terps go and just a crazy stretchy super vigorous even in veg it just like wanted to take off and uh yeah did fun you plants to grow lose, if you have space did you just lose the blue dream or why did you cut that out um this was actually a feminized seed variety of oh. blue dream it was like humboldt seed organizations take on blue dream so it was a feminized version it was a super silver haze from shanti baba at mr nice seed company crossed with dj shorts f4 blueberry so both of those, to me, That's like badass. knowing the Blue Dream, Skilbo actually has those seeds. I sent him to Skilbo. Does uh, he? Yeah, because oh, I was like, dude, I don't have the space. And he's like, I have a huge head space. I'm like, you should grow these things out because they're like a pretty oh good. God. There's real Blue Dream, like Fino, that are reminiscent of the 
Santa Cruz Blue Dream, which I love, which is Santa Cruz Haze um, across the PJ Short Blueberry. That's Bakes. He wants that's the, the one cut he wants because he's never tasted it and he wants to. And he's been trying all these fucking people's versions. I'm going to tell him about that. He's Definitely worth checking out. I mean, I'm a Blue Dream snob. I love Blue Dream. A lot of people are like, hashtag fuck Blue Dream. But I've been a Blue Dream fan my whole life. The pinene levels of it, alpha pinene, it helps me focus, helps me get shit done. And it makes me not forget things, which is uh, very helpful when I'm trying to get work done and be effective as a human. But definitely baked. Uh, if you can find the Humboldt Seed Organization, they've had some controversy. They kind of got busted doing seed sales like internationally and stuff. So <laughs> they and uh, Dynafam have kind of uh went down for a little bit but i think they're back up now i saw their instagram like as of a few days ago posting stuff so i think that they're still out there producing stuff so i could stand behind that and say you'll at least get very stretchy some blueberry but also some hazy pinots uh from that femme but if you're looking for the actual clone we can maybe talk off air because i've uh, been looking for clones for a different thing lately and i've come across the blue dream i can't verify 100 that it's like the santa cruz but out in california a lot of people do have it and if they're going to be holding it at a nursery i'd assume that it's the the blue dream yeah so, he's very interested i'll i'll, I'll definitely uh, talk to him and talk and to you know him. plant packers are a thing shout out to atg acres out there best way to <laughs> ship a clone i've got one sitting in my car right now and uh i'd be happy to hook up a fellow grower out there grower and uh, a fellow blue dream lover and it's somebody who wants to get the real deal so definitely a, a good flavor and uh, i'm glad we give it it's limelight tonight because it gets so shit on on Instagram. People know, are like, fuck Blue Dream. G- you know what? GG4 is starting to get that way too. People are really starting. But uh, luckily, I live in Michigan. People still love the fuck out of it here. So I don't have to defend it too much here. It's good medicine. And like even like Granddaddy Purple used to get a lot of hate back in the day because it's not the most stoniest thing in the world, but it's good medicine. And like Purple Punch kind of gets that Purple Punch list um, kind of thing where people don't like it. I think anything gets you mass get popularity. Punch with that Black Lime Reserve as well in this last project. That's going to be some flavorful stuff like grape candy and lime. Uh, but the thing that I was kind of just mentioning is about GG4 and, and, and Blue Dream or any of these things that gain kind of a cult following or just mass popularity is once they get to that level, there's the issue of people put out fake versions of it. So they'll label stuff Blue Dream when it's not Blue Dream. They'll get cuts that are not Blue Dream. And then they'll yeah. even if they get the real Blue Dream, everybody wants to grow it. So then you get like the world's worst grower who's just doing it for commercial, who's spraying the nastiest PGRs and pesticides. It doesn't give a fuck about it. And it's just pumping out boof ass mids, commercial packs, like to the black market and they're moldy and fucking shitty and heavy metal laden, and like the stuff that you never want to smoke. You come across that and you're like, this is blue dream. This fucking sucks. Like, yeah, that sucks. No matter what strain they grow because they just pump out fucking garbage. But right. uh, it's definitely a, a big problem for any popular strain out there. Once it gets too popular, uh, the quality goes down and then people across the board start to meme on it for how terrible it is. Man, I think the whole, what do we want to call it? Bag appeal thing is frustrating to me. How everything's judged by the way it looks now, because yeah, you know, we can grow some really frosty stuff, but sometimes the stuff that looks like it came out of the eighties is fucking fire. Still, it's the stuff that knocks me down and nothing really nowadays really knocks me down like that. Or keeps you high for four and a half hours. My blue dream. <laughs> yeah, somebody told me, shit. dude, you should, you should chop this down. It looks so terrible. Is this a test grow? Like this is the worst grow I've ever seen. Cause it was really foxtailed and it was really hazy fucking structure. And it was my first grow in my new tent. And I overvegged it. I overgrew my space. It wasn't a great looking grow, but you know what? I got a fuck ton of bud and it was great. It made great hash. And I can objectively say that because I 
had other harvests now since then from my own home grow and i've been comparing it to other stuff locally where people that are savages and doing this for decades like side by side with their stuff like i still enjoyed the flavor of that it still got me medicated and it had a different experience like i said it got me high for three maybe four hours where a lot of the stuff that i smoke now it's like 45 minutes to an hour i'm like i need to smoke again because i've come down like it hits you hard up front and then it just drops right off and uh, i think that's where getting these different varieties can help out a lot that staying effect. Yeah, I think you make a great point. That's what can maybe save those varietals is people being able to con- make their concentrates at home with like the, the presses and, and, and uh, bubble wash and, and or dry sift and even. It's, who cares what the fuck it looks like with the plant material? Remove the plant material, now smoke it. <laughs> yeah, I had a bunch of larfy like lowers and small buds, but it washed amazingly. Like, I don't want to say a percentage because I don't remember off the top of my head, but it, it was way more than what I was expecting. And I had I still have some of that hash in my freezer for like three years later. Temple ball pressed out, you know, just dip in it. It's super spicy now. I mean, the beta carotene definitely stays through in the hash and ages, but yeah. Oh. Uh, some of the best bud is like not particularly good looking. And some of the really good looking high bag appeal, even really frosty bud, I've been disappointed in. Um, some of the really dense buds, I, 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 you know, and like aesthetically, they would be awesome. It's just it's not what gets you high. I mean, it's not sort of always what's good. So I also think it's harder to maybe to cure properly when you get this super tight, dense golf ball nug, whenever like I get it, it seems to be like, it's either like still sticky or completely powders. Like it just like you put it between your fingers and it turns to dust. And, And, you know, I don't think that that's really a better bud than, than sort of a looser structure bud from a different plant. Um, I think we get sort of fixated on that because the best buds on any given plant will be the densest buds. They're usually at the top, but, um, you know, plant by plant, selecting plants just because they grow denser buds. I don't think density is correlated necessarily with quality or with sort of experience. I would say even opposite to the extreme case, like big bud, it had really dense and fat nugs, but it wasn't a desirable smoke. So it grew out of popularity despite yielding huge yields and like critical how many people are growing critical critical mass not many maybe in like europe or in other markets you don't see it a lot here because it's not great flavor it's not a great stone it's just really dense really big buds and like you might grow it once and be like wow i got a great yield and then you're like by the time you're done smoking it you don't even want to smoke the rest of it so no i i heard someone put forth the uh, notion that if the buds are way too dense, there's not even room for resin to grow in there and it impedes the resin uh, content. Do you think that's a possibility, anybody? I don't I think it's that. Really I think it's just know. surface area. You know what I mean? The area bud has more surface area for more resin to be there. Nah, like hash there's here. surface area for trichomes, too, and a looser structure. And looser for structure hash washing, for easier to wash, too. I would say for hash washing and dry sifting, no doubt. But sure. I have broken apart anyway. some of these buds when they're fresh. And like when I've grown them myself, or like if you look at like a no other grow type bud that's grown under HPS, it's dense as hell, super frosty. Mm-hmm. You break it apart and inside it's sticky as shit. There's trichomes in, in there. there. It's it's just yeah, yeah. soaked full of resin all the way to the stem. The stem has frost on it. So I, I think Yeah, that- I mean, I would agree with I would I would not say that like that there's no room for resin, but like I could see how perhaps like the the heads of the glandular trichomes could become broken even, or like what you're describing Jack. And that could be not great for like the, you know, the total survivability of the product post-harvest. I will say a lot of it tests really high, this dense, but mm. like as far as THC testing, cause you see a lot of it in the market, like in the 
in California and Michigan, a lot of this stuff is really dense, really frosty. And it, it tests in those 30s up to close to 40. And sometimes even over now, you're seeing above 40, which I question every time, but um, it, you're seeing it more and more and more and more. So it's just going to be like, the I've heard 40 is the new 30 and like 30 was uh, the new 20 uh, a decade ago. I wouldn't even smoke anything over anything over 30. I wouldn't even want to because there'd be zero terps at that point zero you'd be smoking fucking well there's probably also zero moisture because if you're looking at it from a perspective of like how are they getting their numbers and they're like oh it's 40 percent, yeah but it has no moisture content at all it's like freeze dried or something you know like well in michigan we have uh upper and lower limits so i mean you can't have zero i don't know if we have a moisture limit here i don't think that's part of the thing so you might be right they might be freeze drying it for microbials and for just testing purposes but that would so, definitely hurt their weight a lot because when you freeze right you definitely get like basically nothing um you know, at least the lowest possible i, I can tell you i can test. oh sorry i can tell you that some of these larger guys because i did a, a consult and they are they're doing things that i've never seen done before like freeze drying like they'll take all their stuff they'll run it through a machiner and they'll put it in a giant freeze dryer preserving the terps dude but as soon as you touch that butt it's going to dissolve into fucking dust no it's not like they don't bring it all the way i don't think oh don't it's partial think. or something is it like, like, uh, like refrigerated i'll be completely honest i have no fucking idea how it works and when they were telling me about it i was just thinking dear god what am i look at look at future cannabis this, project this again people. they have a cryo cure episode that goes deep into it there's a, a company who claims like it's not a freeze dry it's a cryo type cure it's a slightly different process so they claim I it's think probably how they or something i don't know well you know when you freeze something like I, I i don't even know if this is the case i'm totally speculating but i know that like if you control how you freeze something or how you lower the temperature and you can do it in like a gradient and, and like kind of like spatially the benefit of that is that like if you just throw something in the freezer like different things are going to freeze at different component or different points because of their you know, what they're made of, of their constitution. So if you're controlled in that way, you might be able to like achieve some unique properties um, without having to like actually freeze it and like maybe destroy certain or degrade certain uh, tissues maybe. But I don't know. <laughs> I just know that that's true for some other things. It's wow, crazy. I certainly don't advocate using a regular freeze dryer because everybody I know who has one for hash has tried it for bud at least at some point and they're like it looks like it comes like straight off the stem it still looks like fresh and frosty and it's like a beautiful way to preserve it but they all say the same thing it breaks down to powder and it smokes like nothing like it's like the terps might still be there but you just don't get the same effect or flavor so it seems like a loss to me I wouldn't it happens to like the chlorophyll degradation right because typically the the one of the reasons why we hang these things up and do kind of a slow uh, cured yeah. things, uh, that was another comment i heard i was gonna add it tastes like grass oh, <laughs> very grassy so even for bubble hash i heard um s god it's solventless um bmv on instagram gave the tip to me but i know a lot of people are doing it now what they're calling like a short hang so it's not like fresh frozen they'll hang for like 48 24 72 hours to get some of those vocs like the chlorophyll to gas off and then they'll freeze it and then they'll wash it. So I think that maybe at least allowing a few days to off gas some of those like greener smells, the chlorophyll and things like that, 
um, could be a way of going about it if they wanted to freeze dry it and avoid that. But again, I think freeze dryers have so many other downsides. Maybe just don't freeze dry it to the point that it has, I think you can bring it down to close to zero water content. Like if not zero, like very, very close to it. And that's one of the reasons people love it for hash is they get all the water out of there and they have nice freeze dried hash and it's good for microbials and other reasons. But with flour, it just doesn't seem to, uh, other than like the cryo cure people, and I haven't seen it firsthand, I've only heard their claims. And uh, until I see it firsthand, I'm kind of dubious about how effective it is. Speaking of flavor, I'm curious, uh, Spartan, what are, what's the scene like in Michigan? Because I know you guys have a pretty developed scene over there, and I'm pretty familiar with the California scene. And I was talking in the beginning about flavors, and like, what would you say is uh, common and then like what's something that you wish was more available that's not could i could i add something in on that with that jack so i just found out through uh because i have uh i'm dealing with a, a company out in michigan right now and i guess they were just telling me today that there's a company that just got approved for like it was like fifty thousand square hundred thousand square feet this massive company down in michigan do you know anything about that and, and are you are you yeah. worried about what that might do to the market where you guys are I'm not worried because that's not my market. I don't. I don't deal in fucking, you know, yeah, mass outdoor. Yeah, yeah, that's not what I do. I think <laughs> it was pretty gross. I, like I think that. it was Rasta Bob has in, one. Like I'm that. pretty sure it was indoor. I don't think it was outdoor. It is, is it indoor? Yeah, it's indoor. It's all indoor. And yeah. uh, oh, okay, still a different market. Oh no, I'm no. I think so. No, a lot of it's greenhouse too. And right now, it's. I mean, it's just, that's the plans. They've got a lot of it. They're building it right now, but they just got oh. approval. Uh, you can stack multiple 15 1500 count licenses so i i don't know i mean they've got like i just was reading an article about it and, and was reading and it was just a disgusting amount of <laughs> of uh space and uh it is i don't know I, I i hope they do well i don't look, I mean, look not too more, far north more weed for michigan i'm i'm i hope it i hope they uh, do well and i hope michigan <laughs> buys it all i hope they do well too but look look not too far north of you in canada and look at those giant ass greenhouse and indoor operations several of them failed like uh, hugely the majority most of them yeah. most of them i'd say 80 percent from some of the figures that i've been this seeing and hearing from what i've talked from what i've talked to like the people in canada said that their market is now more developing into smaller uh craft type settings as opposed to these like huge super right. gross because they just they they came into this and nobody nobody can't again they they're like could figure out how to scale operations and be cost effective when you go to a certain point it's just like oh dude we're throwing out our media every time we're using all the we have to buy the cost to keep the freaking lights on at that operation yeah, dude it's just like just the infrastructure to get the fucking power to the building for a building like to that. buy the lights to run the lights like your first grow just to get the return on investment you have to sell every single gram that you harvest let's say you got a gram per watt like ideally which they're not <laughs> they're getting spider mites they're getting molds they're throwing out more than half their grow in a lot of these cases so i hate to like smile but it's just like some of these people they get into it with pure greed terrible intentions, yeah. zero experience and they want to fuck people well, over bring people in get their recipes the and then fire them. at the same time though this is an emerging industry we're gonna have that you're gonna see that it's those just people like exist fucking, already though yeah same thing they with do. the dot coms you know the problem There's was canada had a developed failed. market canada had a great market before they had a medical market they had the acmpr they had people that knew good cannabis and had homegrown for years and have like a culture that's the same story everywhere though same thing in every state yeah, michigan I, I, is the I same guess. story i guess that's true 
<laughs> there's some places it's not as true. Like in, in Alabama, I would expect well, okay. to see less of a developed, like BC was known even before they had the ACMPR, like BC buds were all over the world. They were shipped yeah. everywhere. Like Canada yeah. was like California in a sense, like the West coast of Canada, especially. Yeah. BC was the California of Canada. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, once it went legal, it was He's such a new upstart area that the, uh, the CEOs of those companies, half of them weren't interested in building a profitable business. Half of them were just building it up to sell it. And the other half just wanted to get paid until the whole thing collapsed. And the one was like a big beer company, yeah. like the Corona owners, the Corona beer. They were like one of the big ones who got like a billion plus funding for, uh, I can't even think of the name of the group, but yeah, one of the mega cannabis corporations in Canada who's now in the U S as well, but it's amazing to see. I, think, I still think, and um, I'm still seeing, and I still think that if you are a, if you're producing craft quality cannabis and at whatever scale you can manage to do that at, you'll be fine in the Michigan market for a while. Right now, uh, I believe that's what we're doing at Mancanico. And I know that we're, <laughs> I know because we're, just, I was just talking to the owner. I know we're getting a higher price than what other people are getting right now. And when I talk to people about price from other states, I'm getting, we are getting way more <laughs> than other people. So, you know, we're riding that wave still right now and we're doing well because of quality because there's definitely a saturation of the market. And so the only way to stand out is quality. And that's the hardest. Well, it's not a saturation I, of dank. It's a saturation of, of the mids. Yeah. If you can grow dank, you are definitely a, a step above. <laughs> yeah. So that, so that's, what's helped. And we don't, I wouldn't say every fucking harvest that goes out is the fucking, what I would say is dank. I'm not saying that, but we try to make it that way. You know what I mean? And because of that, we're kind of building the name in the market and, we're able to, you know, I don't know, walk, you know, ask, Hey, we don't, we don't, I, you know, we say, you know, this is what we want. We don't say, what are you going to give us for this kind of a situation? Well, I think what's acceptable for you is such a much higher grade than most people are going to get in the rest of the market. So like your worst harvest, if you're caring as much as you guys do and at the scale you're at is going to be better than a lot of other places can ever produce on their best grow. So like, I think that's a great thing for your brand is people are just going to get to know you for even at your worst day, they're still getting a good product. And yeah. And there's absolutely other brands in the market that are, you know, producing fucking amazingly good flour as well. You know, Apothecary is one that I'm really fucking interested in trying. I still haven't tried yet, but they do it all organically too. And in this market, that's fucking impressive as shit to me. Wait, so are they from Colorado? Uh, no, this they just started. They're actually from Ann. Ar I think they come from Ann Arbor, and then they moved, they've got to grow out here in Jackson. There is one in Colorado called Apothecary. It's very well known, and they're like a big concentrate producer as well. Um, oh, yeah, these they, guys are just to grow. I mean, they named it. Well, you even have one in San Diego. Old, it's kind of an old name too. It just yeah. means like kind of medicinal. And like the apothecary is like a person who's like the person who delivers all that stuff. And Apothecary is a dispensary in San Diego as well. So they're definitely. <laughs> uh, uh, reusing that name all over the country it seems yeah so and then there's absolutely the opposite like what you guys are saying with the big corporate guys and the mcma now this new corporation they'll probably be approached by the mcma before you know they learn what the mcma is really about and they'll probably get lumped in with them and and get jumped on the boycott list and maybe they'll fail before they start who knows or maybe they'll do well you know i absolutely i'm not mad of those companies i'm mad when they try to affect legislation to fuck with other growers that's ridiculous they should try to knock down the stigma instead of fucking make barriers but other than that 
you know, I'm fine. Bring everyone out here. Fucking just grow weed because we need weed for to heal people. And fucking, you know, there's some bullshit going on in this world and a bunch of evil going on in this world. Let us smoke some weed and fucking forget about it. Or maybe we can affect change. But I can't hate on them. I just, I wish they were fucking doing it the right way instead of the wrong way. And I'm like, normally like every way is the right way as long as you're growing. But in, in this case, when you're lobbying against other growers and you're being like, yeah, that doesn't help this the plant at all. I it doesn't think. help the patients either. You're you're no. limiting access by directly trying to cut off their source because you want to be their source and you're not yet in the MCMA's case. It's like they want all the, the pie. They don't want anybody else to have any slice. They just want to be like, here's our big, you know, you know, big three uh, companies and let's have them serve our people or whatever. When a lot of these people are well served by their caregivers and to try and strip back those rights, uh I'm just reflecting back to like the moving statements at a lot of the council meetings, the one woman crying and sharing her experience and how important her caregiver relationship was to her and how it's saved her life. And I mean, there's countless stories like that. So it's uh, always important to fight for the right. And I know we say, fuck the MCMA and a lot of people just laugh and think, haha, whatever, but it is uh, important to be aware. And I know Brandon on the Oklahoma side of things, um, and I guess I'll pass it first to Kyle because he's oh, got to get out of here in five minutes. Some bad things are happening in Oklahoma. Some very bad things. Are- yeah, I want to give you a, at least a little chance to make the people aware because I know that you've talked about it on the IG, but you haven't talked about it here yet. But first, Kyle, uh, final thoughts and then a shout out because you got to get going here in five. Yeah, sorry, guys. I had to go eat, eat dinner and such. But uh, yeah, Kyle Breeder, uh, again, I'm so glad we still do this. Um, and uh, yeah, I have. If you're looking for me or if you want to talk to me, uh, pure underscore breeding on Instagram, pure breeding on Facebook, pure Kyle at pure breeding. Uh, if you want to email me too, this you can go there. And uh, yeah, overall, uh, that's about it. Purebreeding.com. If you like proceeds and uh, I hope everyone's doing well and uh, be safe. Does purebreeding.com still work? Because that's shorter and that's the one that I normally say, but is it just pure? Yeah. Breeding? Well, so I own all like five predicative, pea breeding, pure breeding, pure slash breeding. And yeah, so they all, they all go to one spot. So. You went for it. I love that. Claim yeah, your well, space. Say, well, somebody owned pure breeding and they were being basically this company, which is, I get it, It's a smart business idea, but kind of douchey, but they bought up like all the domains. So then in order for me to get it, they're like, well, we want a thousand dollars. I'm like, dude, no way. I was like, I'll give you like 200. <laughs> and he was like, they're like, uh, no, we need at least 70%. So they we kept like going back and forth. And finally I ended up, I ended up paying like $700 for it or something, but I just, it was, it's, it's my brand. So whatever. You'll but, make it uh, back in time. And, uh, it's good to yeah. get it out there for the people. Yeah. But uh, all right, man, you guys all take care. All right, man. Have a great night. Thanks for stopping have by. Cool, man. Peace Thanks, out, man. Kyle. Later guys. I love Kyle. So, uh, to the people a little bit of warning if you're not a political type and if you're not in Oklahoma maybe you won't care as much about this next section but I wanted to give Brandon an opportunity to talk about this because it is important just like with Michigan we've talked about it goes to other states and it's going to come it might come to your state it might start changing so it's good to be aware of it know how they know the rules of the game so that you can stop them from fucking breaking them and and watch them be be a good watchdog for your your rights and all that good stuff so Brandon don't let yourself be divided exactly you know here's the thing it, it might be Oklahoma, but it's it's been California. It's been Oregon. It's been all of these other states before. And so we've seen the same mistakes happen over and over again. And we've seen what it does to businesses, right? And 
typically, you know, we, we can probably all agree that Oklahoma has had the most progressive cannabis laws in the whole entire country for the last three years. And the only reason why that was made possible is because someone who was a legacy farmer who also happened to be in um, the, uh, the kind of political arena as far as understanding how legislation is passed, how it needs to be voted on. Um, so he knew these things. He was able to co cohesively write one single bill that was all inclusive. And since then, people have been trying to write new legislation. What they've done is they've tried to make these big packs that has this, that, and the whole accumulative plan to like re-outline the industry and you know for the most part we've we've pushed back but metric just got their way uh, again it has nothing to do with businesses it just has to do with politics um and what is a done, fucking monopoly I yeah and so what, what they've done this time instead of taking that approach they've taken a shotgun approach and the shotgun approach is to write a bunch of bills that aren't co like full packets that don't change the entire thing it just would change some of the wordage here some of the yeah. things can and so they're shooting you know hundreds of bills instead of just like four or five large ones and what happens is they do that specifically so that way they can kind of keep the floor and house members and people who are voting confused um and so that's kind of what's happening however there is there are two bills 818 819 now these aren't statutes right statutes these aren't these would be implemented into the state constitution so if you're listening to to this and you don't know this besides the US constitution we also have a state constitution for every single state and in those in that state is articles and it has articles for how businesses can be run and all kinds of neat stuff and so what these pieces of legislation would do is 818 would make our current program that we have that's so wonderful and easy entries we don't need uh you know the equity programs and stuff because everybody can have access to easy entry fees protecting our rights for our first amendment our second amendment rights uh protecting um chill uh women from like cps because of cannabis you know things like that these would not these would become entered into the state constitution wow that's there on if it gets voted in and so the people they wouldn't it would have to go through an arduous process to to have that taken out of the state constitution so no one can just write up some legislation and be like oh we're going to change the laws willy-nilly because we feel like it no puts an end to that right so um 819 does the same thing and what that does is it gives um it has some you know, tax incentive incentivizations for like uh, hemp manufacturing, like to build so we can get people to come out here and build, you know, bioplastic factories and hemp textile and hemp manufacturing facilities. So that way that hemp production isn't just this uh, CBD thing. So it's an actual viable thing that can actually make the state self-sufficient because we have water here. We have gas and oil here. We have agricultural land. We have farmland for cattle, right? Essentially, Oklahoma, because of where we're located and the resources that we have, we can be self-sustaining uh, and even regenerative in the way that we operate 
and the business and the economy as a whole can prosper. And even any, even in this legislation, it would allow for uh, export to other states when federal legislation opens up. Um, the California just was looking at passing legislation now to allow interstate. That surprised the shit out of me. You know, and so it has all these things in there. It's very cohesively written and it's well written. And I've been supporting it since, you know, since I've read it because it's written well. It's not written in confusing language that's, you know, full of loopholes and things that people can get around. It's very straightforward and it's beneficial to the businesses and the people. It's not. You know, you have to make compromises, obviously, with these people who pass laws. So, yeah, we're going to give them 15 percent only on the medical side and only at the register added at the dispensary. But your medical drops to zero taxes. And with these bills, you can write off your business expenses like you would any normal business. Right. And so that 15 percent tax that that uh, somebody who doesn't have a card and most people do have cards would pay would um would be going to the you know the tax committee to where they de delegate you know and they have a whole list in the bill some of it you schools know, roads policing yeah so it has like all of the percentages of that 15 percent that's collected only on that side and what that funds would be used for and it's all looks good and it, it's like the organization that they create it's not like oh it's just the oma or something like that it's literally sectors of people from different parts of business it's a individual business owner it's a patient it's one guy from you know or woman from department of health it's another person from the wow. mayor's office it's another person from uh, that owns the dispensary. It's another guy that owns a grow. So there's 20 different individuals from 20 different sectors of business, agriculture, and all that. And they all have to collectively agree to be able to implement anything. And it all has to be voted nice. on. So it's very straightforward. And again, being able so to is write this off, a piece of legislation that has to pass to go through, or is this just it's like being reviewed by the Supreme Court right now? Because this isn't a just a, a statute. A statute right this okay. isn't like a code or anything like that this is going to be written into the state constitution and so what they have to do is it has to go to the supreme court to make sure that all of the language is constitutional and legal they're 99 sure i've read it and there's nothing in there that's unconstitutional about it right and so they just have to wait for that to be finalized once it comes back then it gets voted to get put on the ballot, right? By so who? we have to put in our footwork by the people. I have to get 130,000 signatures within, I think, like a 90-day or a 100-day period, okay. right? And then after that, it goes into, uh, it gets put on the ballot. And then if it gets voted at that point, it becomes written into the state constitution. And then we can all relax. We can take a deep breath. And we can know that, our businesses and our liabilities and our futures are are not going to be in jeopardy. And so, we could all move to Oklahoma. Let's do it. So yeah. I'll say it's different than so, California or Michigan or somewhere else because we did like a proposition. We did Prop 215, which was our medical, and then Prop 64. These were not amendments to our state constitution. So we have a lesser scale. Yeah. It's easier to repeal. It has less weight, essentially. Like Brandon's saying, Oklahoma is doing a lot of stuff, I think, to be – 
competitive as a state. They were trying to bring Tesla in for a gigafactory and they were like the number two Tesla ended up going to Texas. But I think they still might do solar and other things uh, like battery installations in Oklahoma for when they have inclement weather and things like that. So they're doing a lot to try and bring people in. I mean, let's look at our panel. You have Aaron the Grower, Californian, now in Oklahoma. You have Brandon Rust, Californian, now in Oklahoma. And uh, there's many, many more. Steve came out here. Steve, yeah. You know, freaking uh, Rab came out here from Seattle Chronic Seeds. Freaking Coma came out here. Adam from uh, uh, Santa Cruz Cannabis Company came out here. Grayskull came out here. Freaking dude. I mean, I could name off tons of people that I know are that were in the cannabis industry in other states and other parts of the world that are in Oklahoma right now. Well, Brandon, I would suggest that if you're more than 90% sure that the Supreme Court's going to rule in your favor, I would right now set up some sort of a way to collect donations so that you can pay for canvassers to yeah. dissenters because, I mean, you're going to want to get as many as you can. And if you can raise it some money to get 10 more of you, that's just, you're going to be that more effective. Yeah. So what, what I'm doing is I'm working with them to figure out solutions for when this thing um, there's got to be a normal in or- or Oklahoma work with national or, or work with like the normal organization and they, they'll have all that stuff figured out for you. You just say, well, set me up something to shout out and we'll get some donations in and we'll fucking get canvassers paid and fucking get the shit turned around. That's why I like, you know, using the social media as a platform because a large amount of the businesses that are out here in Oklahoma, you know, whether they like me or not, um, they still follow me because, you know, I'm, I try to at least give people information that's useful so that they can, because again, dude, I don't care about competition. I don't care about oversaturation shit. I've been doing this for over 20 years, dude. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going anywhere. So it's like, believe if you grow good weed, you'll be all right. Like shit, I grow the best weed. Bring it on. And if everybody grows good weed, I'm happy about that. Cause then everyone's smoking good. weed. The world's a better place in that case. So it's just, you know, you have to kind of be involved, dude. And I didn't really ask for this. It just like fell into my lap. So I'm taking, you know, it kind of sounds cheesy, but it's like with great power comes great responsibility. And I feel like I have a responsibility because I have a platform. It's been built out and I should use it to, you know, try to do my best for you know, the community around me, dude, you know I mean? I'll say it's funny that you say it fell into your lap because like uh, Adam from 2020 Mendocino has a great saying, and he said, every overnight sensation is a decade in the making. And you just talked about, you've been doing it for 20 years, dude. It's not like it fell into your lap. Like you've been doing this. This has been your life, whether it was legal, whether it wasn't, you did this because it was what you loved and you wanted to do it. And you involved so much of your time to the fact that it, it was your job. You did it literally to pay all your bills and everything. So you dedicated your whole entire life to it. And I think that the reason that you've become more involved on a political and business scale is because it's it's what you love. You just wanted to figure out a way that people won't fuck with you while you do it. So yeah, selling Bokashi is legal. Dude, you don't have to worry about it. It is. Just stop fucking with me so I can grow some goddamn <laughs> weed. What the hell? <laughs> it's like your only time you've ever had police bothering you was for growing cannabis. It's not like you're like a hardened criminal. Like you went to prison for like mugging people or something. No, like you were oh. growing and concentrating cannabis. Yeah, like dude, it's... It's, it's madness when you think about like, dude, it's like, 
Uh, it's the the irony of of being in a courthouse having a debate over a fucking plan it's insanity yeah. dude it's absolutely fucking insane like if i was not if i came from another fucking planet and like figured out all the madness that was happening and i looked at this i would be like these fucking people are absolutely insane yeah dude that's politicians are insane man they, they, they drive i can't I, I wish I could be at a, the politicians' offices every single day, but I would go insane so fast. I can't bite my tongue pure, enough. With just pure rage, because it's the it's just like, how can you make laws and have zero understanding of what you're making laws of? That's the most frustrating thing to me. Okay, so listen this to is that. A right? lobbyist. So, they send what? that law right to you, and they also give you a nice little check or a nice little trip to the Bahamas or a nice little dinner at the you know the nicest hotel in the area, and they're not yeah. going to say anything to anybody about it. So you just get paid off, and then they, you know, that's how yeah. a lot of rubbing elbows. And and, and so I went. I looked at the author of some of these laws. There was a couple of them, and specifically thirty-two seventy-nine was just absolutely insane. People all over the internet probably saw articles on it from like Blacklist and. Uh, beard bros uh, i think maybe some other people posted i know i posted on it about like them trying to take control with like a crypto coin that they can yeah it, which is my in- first thought was i wonder who wrote that somebody who's holding what that's some some crypto that they want to use for this yeah. and so Jeez. look i went and looked at who the authors were right to the authors and they're dudes that are like you know in their late 20s and i'm like and then i found out that my homeboy that my homeboy, he went to school with one of them. He's a younger dude. And he's ba- and I looked at like their educational backgrounds and it's like, he was like, yeah, he was like on the debate team when he was in high school. And then he went to community college and it's like, so he doesn't have like a major in economics or a major in business, or he's not like a lawyer. Look at these people are, are just dudes. They're regular ass fucking dudes that are like, oh yeah, we, they, these dudes didn't even write the shit. They, they, they authored it, but it was really given to them by somebody else, and then they put their name on it. That's all that it is because you you just yeah the lobby group like the MCMA they just write the fucking law and they pass it to a politician and then the politicians put their fucking name get, on it. They get you know and their state representative and it's like so what you have to do is you gotta you get you have to adversely affect these people right to get the point across and you don't have to, you you have to be civil about it obviously but you have to get right like, you have to make sure these people know hey. Dude, we're right here. What the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. You can't do this. If we had so like, many people. God bless the people. You, you have bro, no future. Use here. that platform, bro, because God bless the people. Because we put a call out. So same shit's going on. Whatever bill it was, 5,300. And we said, call this guy. He's the head fucking uh, guy on the bill. They fucking started to answer the phone and say, no, this is not his office. They weren't even claiming it was his office anymore. They got so many calls. <laughs> That's pretty bad. But that's what you have to do, you know. You be civil about it, but tie up their phone lines if you need to. Send emails, you know. Show up. That's the best. Show up if you can. Yeah, you have to do it in a disruptive way. Well, no, you have to be civil about it, right? You have. That's that's what I'm saying. Civil. I didn't say that. Yeah, I don't mean that you have to be. uh, Yeah, no, disrupt in a civil way. Exactly. Like calling. The calling is is a civil form of civil disobedience. You're taking up their time. Like you have free time and you're like, hey, you know, this guy's probably got some important shit that he wants to do. And he's trying to do some stuff that we don't want him to do. So let's let him know why he shouldn't do that. And then right after I get off the phone with him, Spartan's going to call him. And right after Spartan gets off the phone, Brandon's going to call him. And then he gets 10 calls in a row. And he's like, well, fuck, maybe I shouldn't push this legislation because I didn't really 
care that much about it in the first place. I just got some guy from the MCMA who passed it across my desk and said, hey, if you pass this, we'll uh, take you out for dinner or wherever, you know, it's like, I think that once they realize that people don't want it, then they're more apt. I have probably, this is an example that probably the most extreme I would get. And there's something here in Michigan I can do. I don't know if this is state to state or what, but in Michigan, my representative has to talk to me. They cannot avoid talking to me. If I go show up in person, they have to talk to me. If they're on the floor, uh, you know, if they're at the Capitol building, I'm allowed to go into the lobby of the Capitol building, show my driver's license, tell them I want to talk to my representative, and they will. the clerk will go onto the floor, pull my rep off the floor to come talk to me. Yeah. And that's my right as a citizen of Michigan. So, you know, just know some of your you rights. Know, and you can be... We have to do. We just got to be better informed. I think that's the biggest problem. We've lost, we have completely lost touch with American civics and they don't teach it in schools. They didn't teach it in my school, you know, and, and people get really kind of disconnected and they don't even know, like I didn't even before, I didn't even know where I could find these laws. Right. And I, I didn't realize there's like websites and the different places where you, when this stuff gets submitted, it shows up and you can just see it and read it. All you know, publicly like, available on dot govs. You know, yeah, and it's, it's, it's just like this, that once your rights get threatened in a certain way, or once you want to try to get new rights that you start to really care about the law. So it's really the most say, important Doc, civics lesson. How about the when, states that have no medical right? Who's fighting to get those get those laws overturned? A lot Hopefully of people, lobbyist groups. People within the state. Somebody's been trying, I hope. I so, yeah, there's definitely groups and you can join them if you're interested in that if you're looking to, to sort of support your rights that's what brandon that's what spartan have been doing is sort of becoming politically active because their rights and things they care about are being potentially threatened or could be expanded or whatever in different ways um but yeah I, I love it it's all about participating it's all about getting involved and being informed and staying on top of the things it's really tough to do about every single issue but when you find something that that you're passionate about um th- that's when i think you're going to learn the civics lessons and, and understand how the system works and i think that everybody that's sort of listening to your experiences are more plugged into that in, in this sort of real application of that than they ever would have been in sort of a high school class anyways well and just think about like as far as uh, something that gets a lot of attention on like the media and things like that is discrimination. But like, as far as groups that are openly discriminated against, it's cannabis users still to this day. If you can't use it here, you can't do this, you can't do that, you have to pay these taxes. Like Brandon mentioned, they're just trying to get the right to act like any other business where if you have an expense, you can write it off at the end of the year on your taxes if it's for your business or at least a, a percentage of that cost. With cannabis businesses, it's zero. And like I run my own personal business that's not a cannabis business. And I know how some years that actually really impacts my business when I'm going through the deductions and everything. Um, it'll impact how much I owe or not owe on my taxes. And to not have that opportunity, it could make well, certain business businesses not viable at all. So maybe I'm not understanding this, but they would still, I mean, subtract the, the costs of running their business from the revenue that they receive. You're not paying income taxes on your gross revenue. Right. But I'm just saying the fact is they have zero ability to to essentially uh, work against the revenue that they're bringing in. So they're paying taxes on absolutely every dollar, but they can't deduct anything where a normal business. Yeah, you pay taxes. They on would the- deduct the cost of the labor, for example. Right. So like Spartans bosses deduct the cost of Spartans wages from the revenue that they receive. They're not paying taxes on that twice. The grows can do that. I don't think that the dispensaries can. Yeah, you, you, there's certain things that you're not going to be able to deduct, but 
expenses like labor and rent and and utilities and stuff um the basic cost of running a business you're not going to be able to have to to pay i mean it depends on how they're filing their taxes too to be honest with you but um you subtract your costs from your revenues and pay taxes on your your and sometimes even if you do everything right uh the you know some authority figure will come in and take all of your money even if you're the most popular or one of the most popular or largest brands ever like we were talking about with jungle boys right and uh with a, whole, a totally out of the control circumstance right it was because the pandemic they shut were down told an office. not to pay their taxes even because of because of restrictions like you know hey don't worry we got it we have you on file but for some reason uh they got cleaned out <laughs> that's over, like it seems like extortion or I don't know. What's the other one? Entrapment. They like basically well, set you up to commit a crime of not paying yeah. your taxes by saying, hey, don't come in and pay because we have a pandemic going on and our office is closed. So we can't accept your payment right now. And then you don't pay it. And then they're like, hey, we're, we're happy to pay whenever. And they're just like, guess what? We're going to bust down your door and take all your cash and take the payment that we believe we're owed. And then on top of that, charge you fines, fees and hold every other reserve that you had there. Like, fascinating well, i'm not saying there isn't corruption know, or mismanagement right but that's yeah def issue. definitely some sort of mismanagement or the left hand not talking to the right hand because interestingly uh i don't have the whole story yet and i don't even know if there is a response to this if anyone has in the chat you can update me but basically uh when their lawyers contacted the government to ask them exactly what was happening they were like well we have no idea we have no reason to think like so like <laughs> This could have been somewhat ambitious and rogue. Who knows? Honestly, it's it's very unfortunate. Regardless, it's very illegitimate. It's very illeg illegitimizing. Um, you know, if you're if you're going to go through all these hoops and still be uh, knocked around like this, um, whether it's like a mistake or intentional, neither of those answers are very endearing. Are you suggesting that it's possible that they weren't real cops? Not in this particular case, although that has happened too recently okay. to some people. <laughs> it was suggested that was the case at the Emerald Cup. They were claiming that that was not DCC after the event oh. was over. They were trying, oh. the DCC was trying to claim, oh no, those were not DCC representatives. We didn't have DCC there, so they claimed. So like, it gets I didn't really hear saucy. that part. I didn't hear yeah. that explanation. No, I, I'd seen them put out a statement. And uh, somebody posted, I think it was, again, Trevor, Sungrown Maids with a Z. I posted that earlier uh, on Instagram. But crazy uh, <laughs> world that we live in now. Doc, I know think that you mentioned that. earlier. Think about that as a business, though. You have to operate in an environment where you're not even sure if the cops are cops. If you have millions of dollars to put into a cannabis grow in or, cash. or dispo or whatever. Don't use cash. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's like it's the old joke with farming, you know, you know, you know how you make a million dollars farming? You start with $2 million. Yep. <laughs> well, the one thing I'll say is um, make sure that you have good security and uh, try and make nice with your local police department. My wife works at a delivery service. They're the first legally approved. They were only medical at first, and now they're recreational as well in that city. 
and they have a very good relationship with the city that they're in. The police come over, they check stuff out, they call them, they let them know. Unfortunately, it sounds like in Jungle Boy's case, they didn't have the opportunity to allow that to happen. But I know, Doc, you mentioned uh, earlier in the show that you wanted to go maybe a little bit before Spartan. It's about 5.30 now if you wanted to go and uh, give your final thoughts and shout outs before you have to go get the Grower Love giveaway. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I'm not. It's, I'll wait until Spartan, guys. I'm still okay. having fun. I, I don't have to go quite this early, but I will take the opportunity to tell people you still have like 15, 20 minutes to register for the Grower Love giveaway if you want to. Um, we're giving away the Chilled Growcraft Ultra X3 at the top of the hour at six o'clock over on Cocoa for Cannabis. It's um, the pinned comment right there in the chat, wherever you're at, whatever kind of uh, YouTube media you're on. If you see Dr. MJ Coco's comment pinned with the link, it says register here, uh, Cheap Home Grow. Uh, Just got to click it. Got to click oh, it and uh, you've got 15 minutes left. So you might win a really cool, what is it, a 330 watt light that pulls like a three micromoles per joule or something super efficient tons of diodes on there yeah in my testing it got like 2.78 um usable testing it's like 3.2 in a sphere 3.19 or something like that um just extraordinarily efficient light it's kind of not practical i mean they put so many diodes into the thing that yeah they have to charge uh what fifteen hundred dollars almost sixteen hundred dollars for a light that basically it's like a, a three by five light uh it fits it covers a four by four area too but I, it's just not cost efficient to actually buy the thing um so i was interested when i first tested it just to kind of put a marker up in terms of what could be done with the light um but now i got one to give away so i think it's the perfect light to give away i mean nobody wants to spend fifteen hundred dollars buying it but who wouldn't want to get it for free so and no shit if they crush it with it maybe they'll uh, inspire other people to get it but yeah i definitely think it's more of a flex you're gonna have to dim that thing or you're gonna have to crank co2 and like high frequency vertigate well it depends on what size space you put it in it's fine in a five by three if you have enough hanging high or it's fine in a four by four actually um, if you tried to put it in like a four by two, somebody was asking me, it's just entire, I mean, it's enough light for a four by four. So you're going to, I mean, it's twice as much light as you would need in a four by two. You would definitely have to dim it in that space. What's um, the wattage draw on it? It's 330 watts. Oh, wow. And it just puts out so much light because there's just so many diodes on there and it's because, so efficient. Yeah, with, with close to three and usable photon efficiency, you're still getting, you know, over a thousand micromoles. They so can't, I don't have the, the data right in front of me, but. Must have a great um, spread too, like a really even spread if it's that many diodes. Yeah, yeah, and it's got a ton of six sixties and it's just a whole lot of red. Is it's it a, a three bar array? It's a or, three bar array, and they're really long because you said it could be like a three by five light as well. Yeah, it's it's like pretty much would be tight in a four by two space. Um, so it's pretty much four by two. It would, I think, technically fit, but it's just entirely too much light. <laughs> So that's a fun one. And then I will also take this opportunity to say, I kind of dropped this in the chat a little while ago, but the next, after we do this giveaway, we're going to set up for the next Grower Love giveaway, which is going to be the Photon Tech XT 1000 watt CO2 Pro. It's another like $1,500 light. Um, that shit, one's a thousand, thousand watt, watt light. Though. That's, enough. that's enough for like a six by six. Well, it's crazy okay. to think Jeez. like if it's three or even close to three, like the HPSs are in like the one like mid to low one ranges and if you're right. using single-ended so like the fact that people used to use like 600 watt or thousand watt hps single-ended and still do i should say don't used to a lot of people still run those at those efficiencies if you think of like a third of the wattage draw but three times more efficient it's like crazy to think that you could also fill out like a four by four like a 600 watt uh yeah 
HPS used to commonly. It will fill out a four by four. The the chilled ultra will fill out a four by four better than a 600 watt HPS. There's just no question. I mean, considerably better. The thousand is where I would get like, uh, that's where it's going to be not quite a thousand because the, it's not like, uh, HPS is one micromole per joule and that's three. That would make it about a thousand, but it's, it's close, (laughs) which is crazy to think about. No, the, the the bigger the the photon tech light is is glorious. The only problem with that is you need to have a lot of space to set that up. Um, so hopefully somebody will win that with like at least a five by five space. Otherwise, you really have to throttle it down. And I know that a uh, yield per watt isn't like the best metric because you could definitely veg longer or like grow autos or do something. To... Or get a more efficient light. Or use a more efficient light, but in the case you're gonna of crush chilled, your yield per watt with that chilled fixture because it's they're the first so much light per the watt. They're the first person I saw hit two plus grams per watt on multiple occasions where they showed the entire grow start to finish, and they had dried and wet weights and everything. They showed you everything start to finish, and uh, yeah. I think it was like West Coast Grows on YouTube. He might even be part of Chilled now, but I don't think he was at the beginning. Uh, maybe he was the whole time, but. Um, He's definitely demonstrated how to grow really well with their lights. They're like slim, six sixty or four forty. Like he's definitely done a great job showing off all their stuff. And I've been a fan of LEDs ever since they've become non blurples and are getting more efficient. And the form factors are getting better and better. So uh, it's only them and many many other companies. The only problem is now there's so many good ones. It's just like who's going to give you a good light at the best price at this point? And like Doc, you've done a great uh, justice to the community by offering your grow light guide where you're showing here's the price of this light here's how many ppf it puts out here's the ppfd per you know square inch and in this tent setup and that's what people are going to use so it's it's gonna be like bells and whistles now i think we kind of top end out on on well maybe not efficiency but we're getting goddamn close close but but watts for sure there's no way we need more than a thousand watts we should be going down i wonder what the efficiency how much the plants can handle yeah yeah you just start dropping the number of diodes and putting like if they get a four micromole per joule diode you just run like instead of a thousand of them you run like 600 of them on the fixture there's nothing coming down the line like that guys um and we would see that coming a few years out just in terms of sort of the the way the diode market works there's there's no big leap in diode technology that we're expecting what we do expect is the price points to continue to come down. And as the price point comes down for, for diodes, um, they can put more of them in them. And that's basically how the chilled fixture gets such incredible efficiencies is running a ton of diodes at a relatively low power draw. That are um, super high efficient. And they're made for primarily, I would claim, cell phones. Like this is a Samsung uh, Galaxy, whatever. And the back of that, that light you're seeing right there, the flash, is this an LM301B or H or whatever it is, depending on the year they're putting them out and they're developing them for the camera flashes and for so many other uses, but it's also being used. They put the H on the LM301B, uh, but it, I think it. some people say it's the exact same thing. And I think they're claiming that there's a coding that's different, but. You know, uh, it, one of the things that's it's interesting, the, the fixtures with H seem to have a little bit more far red light. I run both PAR and EPAR tests with the, the fixtures now and the, LM301Hs put out almost 5% of their total flux in the far red spectrum. The LM301Bs put out closer to 3% of their total flux in the far red spectrum. So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what to account that for. I'm going to keep paying attention to that, but they don't seem to test exactly the same across the two sensors. 
that's good to know because a lot of people kind of gave them shit for being the same exact band same exact diode and it was just a marketing gimmick blah 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 blah. that's interesting but to know that three versus five percent and being in the far red that's like some people considered it not usable par but i think it's the e par is probably a more or b par yeah, whatever you want to it's i mean the best research shows that it is photosynthetically active and you shouldn't pay yeah. attention to it so yeah um, I, I paid to add it to my <laughs> setup for sure so i think it's effective and the sun has it so and if it's not hurting, I'm I'm an advocate for it for sure. Uh, yeah, so that's what I like expect going forward. I think people, manufacturers at the top end, are going to start putting more and more diodes in to try to juice some efficiency and to try to convince you about better quality. But overall, you know, even the bottom end fixtures in the market now are are kind of catching up and are pretty damn efficient. Um, so there's going to be brutal competition for price, and the consumers are going to win. The growers are going to win. Um, I do expect prices to kind of keep coming down and there's going to be some attrition with some sort of legacy brands that I think built a market around a, a higher price point that aren't going to be able to, to compete with that. Um, it's going to be tough, especially because like we've seen Mars and I think they're just spectra. changing targets. They're targeting just commercial. Perhaps. Yeah, but I mean, but even there's going to be guess, cheaper yeah. options get, in the commercial yeah. spaces too. So uh, well, I, there's still room for them. I think that there's some innovation needed to, to maintain the higher price points. I'm not entirely sure what that's going to be, though. Mars and Vipar Spectra in like my growing career went from crappy blurples and right. no offense to anybody who used them to very usable. Like I'll, I'll it's a good, efficient, uh, low cost, great budget grow lights. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I saw and that happen over a few years. They're being considered by commercial grow operations now too. So. Yeah. And um, as they should be, I guess. And it's cool to see that now there's not only them, there's Geek Beast, there's Medic Grow, the Fold 8. And these price points are getting insane for the performance. Like we're talking like what used to be a $2,000 Fluence light, you're getting in the Medic Grow Fold 8. Like same diode, same efficiency, yeah. sometimes even better. Yeah. Just because it's two years later. And it's like the whole laptop yeah. cell phone thing. Like they were it's really insane. progressing. And the price decrease that we've already witnessed is just insane. Doing it on micromole per micromole basis. When I started testing lights, we considered anything with less than a dollar per micromole to be a really good price. And now I'm testing lights that come in at just under 30 cents per micromole. Um, that's like less than a third in three years. That is a staggering amount, honestly. I was going to ask you what the percentage was, but wow. Yeah, no, it's gone from like, if I test this on 95 cents, or if we were evaluating lights at like 95 cents, we rated that like, that's a good price that it's a, you know, we could recommend that. And now we're getting it. Yeah, 30 cents. It's like, it's crazy. I saw a car that just came out, I think it was like the Hyundai Ionic 5. And they had to redesign the headlights like three or four times because the LEDs kept or no, it was the lucid air. The, the headlights got thinner and thinner and thinner because they were able to get the same amount of LED power out of a thinner and thinner strip. And for the design purposes, they're like, well, if we're going to make it more aerodynamic or whatever and have less light needed, then let's make it thinner as the generations got better, as they designed it, they got better and better. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just crazy to see how quickly we're kind of on that S curve where we're kind of on the hockey stick up right now of seeing LEDs really come into their own as being hyper efficient and the cost effectiveness is uh, yeah. Amazing. And the other thing that's really happened that I, I've been thinking about lately is a few years ago, almost every home grower was basically underlit because they were growing with blurples and they were buying into sort of the, the marketing about how much they'd cover. And now, like a lot of growers are, are, you know, could be overlit if they ran their fixtures at full power. 
Um, so that never used to be the case at all. I mean, just two, three years ago, I didn't know any grower that was really sort of overlit and running their lights at like 80% or something. I mean, so that's been a pretty phenomenal, certainly in the LEDs, that's been a, a phenomenal change as growers been able to yeah. afford to buy enough light for their space. So it's definitely a move for the good. And uh, Doc, this is about the time that I would normally pass it to Spartan. So I'll pass yeah. it to you first. So we filled that whole time. Out. Thank you, Jack. But hopefully that was fun. And guys, you still have like 15 minutes. If you want to go register for that giveaway, we're going to do the giveaway here at the top of the hour. I'm going to be in the chat room of Very Cocoa for Cannabis to congratulate the, the winner there. If you want to come and join us there when the show's over. And then uh, look out for the next giveaway when we when we reset that um, for the Photon Tech Light that we'll be giving away. That drawing will be next month. Um, a lot of fun, guys. I love the show. Thanks, Brandon, dropping some great knowledge and Spartan. Matthew, as always, um, everybody that I can't see on my screen right now, I know that you're there. <laughs> um, chatters and everybody, much grower love. I will see you guys all next week. Have a good one. Growers love, man. Peace out, Doc. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. MJ. Always great having you. And next up, Spartan Grown. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Thanks, panel. It's, uh, this was a great show, man. Uh, this one was fun. Uh, it was fun. Talked about strains for a while. Talked about politics. Got my juices going. <laughs> Shout out to chat. They were fucking killing me, too. So uh, I just want to say uh, growers love to everybody. Um, fuck the MCMA. And I can't remember the townships off the top of my head, but I think one of them was uh, Birch Run Township. Tomorrow, 7 a.m., they're getting ready to take away some caregiver rights if you live out that way. So you want to show up to that meeting at your county building. I think we no, I can't remember what the other one was. I'll, I'll figure it out before the bro show, and uh, <laughs> I'll try to shout it out on the show. <laughs> so check out there. Cheers, everybody. That was a perfect segue, Spartan. Thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Have a great one. Cheers, fun. Also, I'm going to have to leave, too, for the exact same reason as Spartan. I will be on the Michigan Bros Grow Show uh at the same time so very cool well hey give your final thoughts and shout outs yeah i uh i i know that we try not to become too ebullient with all the political talk but i do feel like it is important and i have been sort of sort of mulling over the cost benefit analysis of uh of that sort of activism because i do think that ultimately it's very important and I, i'm afraid that if we don't as a community as a group like band together then we might have some real problems that we'll have to evict and it'll be even harder to do so on the one hand i hope that people can kind of come together for a more common cause but i do understand people's reluctance to do that for various people for various reasons we all have our own agendas and things that we want after all but anyways i really liked that talk and i really like the other things we have to talk about as well um, you can find my information about pests and disease management on my youtube channel Zenthanol. You can also find me on the FCP02 channel, Future Canvas Project, with Chad Westport, where we're going to go over my favorite pest to go over, the one I know probably the most literature about, which is the two-spot spider mite, Tetranagus urticae. And I look forward to talking to you all about that. Uh, fun fact, and you'll learn about it when we do the presentation, yellow light will actually make spider mites not deposit eggs at nearly the amount they normally would, which is actually multiple per day. If you want to learn more about that, you can check out the presentation. Well, I hate spider mites and I don't mind yellow light. So that is one I will definitely be checking out. And I always appreciate your insightful information about IPM as well as other things generally about cultivation and uh, the sciences that you share. 
appreciate it. Definitely uh, make sure to check out his social medias, everybody, and make sure to go check him out at the Michigan, Michigan Bros Grow Show. It might just be Mish Bros Grow Show when you search it out on YouTube. It's coming on in 14 minutes. If you're not already subscribed and following over there, make sure to do it. We've had about 150 people with us tonight. It's been a really great show, as everybody else has mentioned so far. I've been having a great time. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Matthew. And I uh, hope you have a good time over there with the Michigan Bros Grow Show. But uh, Tab, it looks like you unmuted. And uh, I was going to say goodbye to Sink Angel. Peace out. Bye Peace now. out, Tao. Always a pleasure to have you. And uh, we've got about 13 minutes left. So probably about, I don't know, five or 10 more minutes talking. And then we'll do our final uh, thoughts and shout outs between me, Tao, and Brandon. Do you guys have anything? Uh, I guess, Tao, I'm curious because at the top, we talked about flavors. And I know I was mentioning stuff that I wanted to hear about, like what is available in your area that's like common what's the most uh likely thing that you're going to come across some of the stuff that you might have and then what's something that you're not seeing that you would like to see more represented well i basically don't mess with anything other than what i grow so i don't even know what's out there um when when it first went legal in new york they had these pop-up events and i just went to go scope it out and it was just basically you know um you know dealers that now have a table and jaws full to show people so that's what it was when it hit New York, and uh, no strain names I, though. Like you're not seeing cookies. OG. Well, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had well, they pretty much had everything that I've heard from the, uh, and but like, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a fair representation of the real thing. Most likely, in most cases, like uh, the black. I don't know if it's the blacklist or someone else I follow always shows the uh, the Amazon um, listings of like Munch bags, Mylar bags, and like all the counterfeit uh, packaging you get. And I'm sure that most of that's coming from like Mississippi East, you know, people are buying that. So, uh, but no, there's a couple people in New York that like at these, uh, they like started their own pop-up events just so they could, you know, un undo their own stuff, which is great. I think it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I really, not, I'm not seeking, I'm not trying out anybody else's stuff because I don't trust anybody else's stuff pretty much. And I got my own, so I don't have to. Well, for a long uh, but, time, it would have been risky to get involved in that. And you've, you're yeah. so used to being on the down you know, That's the other thing about, for yourself. That, about, you know, I was thinking in my head, man. So it was kind of sad that everybody's getting uh, political when their growing rights are, are getting jeopardized. But when they were getting arrested, but you can't do nothing when you're getting arrested, because if you make a stink, then you're going to get in trouble. You know, you, you go you go start stuff and then the cops, you know, they'll come around your place and look around. So. It's like a catch twenty two and red. Shout state. out to some you of those fucking crazy noise. guys who yeah. did that. Shout out to the yeah, Dennis Perones. You know? Shout out to the guys in California who, before it was legal, were out there saying, and, "You know what? This is fucking wrong. We need it this. It helps somewhere. people." I never had the guts to be vocal at all, but Me I either. donated money. You know, I, I hid my ass, dude. I donated money a few times, and uh, I even donated time once when I visited a, a, a state that was trying to get it passed that was already legal. That I forget, uh, they already had medical. They're trying to get. Uh, I did it for in california once i donated like a couple hours to uh uh you know convince people to sign or uh just vote yes or you know whatever they had to do i forget what it was but but yeah other than that i didn't I, yeah it's scary when you go to jail for this shit you don't want to be making noise so that's uh i you know that's something you have to con contend with as well but there's other ways to support you know for sure and um well uh I guess from your own collection, I know you're looking for chocolatey stuff. I just made a list. Um, I'm working on a unrelated project that I won't talk about. I, I don't have any NDAs, but I always 
as a business person, I try to keep things private and not. Yeah, there's no reason to let that stuff out. Yeah, yeah. But um, but, what are, what are some flavors that you? I know you talked about chocolate in the past. Um, I just made this list recently, and maybe I'll run through some of them, and then maybe Brandon could add some uh, strains to the list of flavors that I've got going. But what what's something that you're looking for that you haven't seen in a while, or that you'd love to have, flavor wise, or even like stone wise, like the actual effect highs and things like that. Are there any effects that you're not seeing anymore, like super uplifting stuff? Are you asking me, Jack? Yeah, this is to you, Tao, and then I'll yeah. go to Brandon. Well, I I don't know, man. I don't know if it's because I was younger or even younger than I am now, but it seemed like a lot of the, um, and it might be because I don't let my strength, like, all right, so I'll just tell you. It seems like some strains are short-lived, so some highs are short-lived, a, a lot shorter than others. And I remember, like, you, I would get higher for longer, so... That's, I don't know if it's because I don't grow my plants long enough or if I need to get some more sativas, probably a little bit of both. Uh, but I think that that's something that uh, is a little different. And I would like to have more of something that I could like maybe smoke one fat joint and be stoned for like, you know, hours upon hours upon hours. But like, yeah, I don't know how you dabbers do it, man. You got to stop everything. You got to torch up the thing. You got to do the dab. I mean, that's just like just rolling joints was time consuming enough to keep my head right. And if you got to do all that stuff, unless you got the email on plugged in all the time, that's just like time. Many, many do that. Time is money. Yeah, many do that. I know. But uh, flavor wise, I want what everybody else wants that skunk, that old school skunk that like was real. And, and yeah, that was some good. I mean, yeah, it's a mystery. Are you looking for it? Are you actively looking? I'm not seeking you... it out. Yeah, I'm not seeking There's a few it out. I don't even have time I, I for what I want to do already. But... I would go through the stuff that's claimed. There was a dude named Laser Phase 420 who went through Blue Skies Vienna. He went through anything that was labeled skunk. He bought it. Yeah, a whole bunch of people did the same and said there ain't, it ain't there yet. Yeah. So what did this guy do? Well, the, the next thing what I, I was going to say was talking about like Duke Diamond mentioned a lot of it was in like Afghanis and like the NL5s and the older oh, yeah. school stuff. So like if you're looking for it, I think that'd be one of the places to start looking and start crossing that stuff to each other. Master Cushes and stuff like that. And uh, Brandon, I guess I'm if, curious to bring you if, in on, on this. What are your thoughts on maybe if you were looking for the skunk? I know everybody's kind of looking for the skunk. But... All right, before I skip over, let me just quickly say if I really was going to personally go find look for it, I would go find older seed catalogs, or, well, and yeah, I, I have some, but that claim that it was skunk from um, some of them breeders, like in the ninth, yeah, there could still be someone associated with something that was labeled like skunk before. Like now, it's all sweet skunk. It seems like to me, everything that's labeled skunk is sweet skunk. So I, I don't know what happened, but that's all I'll say. And then, and then try and hunt back from there. There might be some, yeah, you know. I'll say uh, before I pass it back to Brandon about the skunk thing, a lot of people have passed around the um, skunk band Sam, like conspiracy theories, and it's very well written and it's super, con I used to believe it like to the T, like every single word, but there are some things that don't make sense necessarily. I definitely think that he worked with like the like DEA and all that stuff. He's part of GW Pharmaceutical, but um, I like the full story. The guy who put the story out there has like his own weird background, so... Um, I know Anthrosensimilia is one of the people who sent that to somebody who was on the FCPO2 <laughs> talk a little bit ago, especially in, in relation to the Blue Skies Vienna, whole skunk thing. But um, Sam, as love him or hate him, I definitely think has done a lot of positive for the community. Like he put out books about hashish and 
about pests and management and growing cannabis and hemp that would be counter to the DEA's goals and mission. So I don't think that the like conspiracy theory, like uh, paste bin article that's like really long and super well written and like you'll dive in that rabbit hole and be like, wow, oh my God, like fuck Sam, like this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. Like you can want to believe everything because it's written so convincingly. But uh, be open-minded, do some more research, and I think you'll come to the conclusion that maybe he is a douche in many instances, but I don't think that he's like the terrible person a lot of people make him out to be. But Brandon, if you're looking for skunk, what would you uh, go digging through? And do you even care about skunk? Do you want to look for skunk? Is it something for you, or do you think that it's just not findable? Uh, my experience with skunk has always been the smell of the cannabis after it's burned, have a certain type of arid kind of uh, scent to it that's really distinct. That's like, oh, that's fucking like dank. Like that's the fucking skunk weed right there. You know, that's kind of my experience more with it than uh, actual uh, roadkill skunk. But that being said, uh, road, roadkill skunk doesn't smell... It has a sweet smell to me. When I drive by uh, a dead skunk that's been in the road, it actually has that kind of like, it's arid, but it does have kind of a sweet component. Um, to, For sure. To me, anyway. Um, you know, I've grown a bunch of uh, some of the older seed stock that I had from 2001, 2003, and they had a lot of, you know, different smells in there that were really dirty, you know, oniony, garlic, arid smells acrid smells uh just so they're in there it's just you know is it going to be roadkill skunk or you know cannabis creates a lot of different things we know that uh that we know that paper was passed around about the different uh methyl compounds the different thiols and stuff like that that uh, the cannabis can produce which are not terpenes but are uh, arom uh, other aromatic volatile compounds and like so esters aldehydes and all those other things yeah sure man there's a lot of different smells and some of them could probably be related to skunk but it's like here's the thing you know people say oh it's gas it's gas it's gas and i smell a lot of motherfucking people's weed and it's not gas because i know what gasoline smells like i know what kerosene smells like i know what diesel smells like you know these fuels have a certain component to them um, that's this, that's distinct. And a lot of times you don't really actually see that. And so, um, for me personally, I really like the lime stuff, which is different than the lemon or the pine because the lime for me has this, this kind of like undertone musk that goes with the citrus all the time with it, at least with the stuff that I use, um, blueberry, you know, this blueberry, the stuff that I run, it's a very kind of sweet candy type of blueberry that also has a citrus pine kind of aftertone. It's very distinctly blueberry, but it also has other profiles that are in there. When I'm looking at cannabis terpenes and the different combinations and mixes, rarely do I ever just get, oh, this is skunk or this is this or this is this, you know, and I don't really want just one dead note profile. Oh, this is orange. Oh, that's cool. Orange is cool, but I'd rather have like this one that I have right now, which is orange Julius. It is distinctly, you smell it. You know, I know what that smell is. Like it triggers a memory in your brain. That's like, this is orange Julius. I know this smell. It's like orange and vanilla and it's just a mix. It's, it's creamier and just a different smell. And I love that about smell. It's, it's our strongest linked to our memory. 
olfactory senses in psychology. They've done tons and tons of studies, but the strongest link to memory is smell. And that's, and that's why whenever I think of skunk, because all of the memory that I have with skunk is, Oh, I walked into a room and had a distinct acrid smell to the smoke after it had been burned. And I say that all the time. However, you never it, had it, it, green lime green buds that smelled like skunk. He's from the West Coast, man. We we had it. It was like the mass super skunk. It was New York. It was Ohio. I was told it was the Native I, Americans, and and that was who the skunk was coming from around yeah. where I was. At. I think it came from Arizona somewhere, but traversed to the east. But I, I don't know. But um, I believe it's out there, and I, it, I believe there is. It will be found where smells it smells. No, literally buds. like a skunk just sprayed, not roadkill. Like a skunk sprayed. Skunk spray like, and roadkill are two different smells. Not, yeah, roadkill, maybe a slight roadkill, because like when it, when it gets killed, it's, it has its spray let loose, I guess. But yeah, it's like it's people shit like on themselves. It's not like a dead, decaying animal. It's more like you're saying, I wouldn't call it sweet, but it's more, uh, yeah, just the decaying spray. animal, rotting meat. That's actually the grapey smell. Methyl anthranolate actually is like one of the esters that comes off of rotting meat. It's the sickly right, sweet smell associated saying, yeah. with, with meat. So. Um, that is a weird thing, but we've come up to the six oh, o'clock okay. hour and I got to pass it over to, uh, Brandon first to do his final thoughts and shout outs. And then, uh, we'll do tail last. Always good to get here, be here, talk shop and you know, what's going on. Um, you can follow me at rust Brandon without the dot. That's my backup. Um, however, if you're, if people in the industry or the community aren't already following me, you're probably not going to make it past my, my first initial screening. Um, if that is the case, you can always DM me. Um, I usually respond, but um, yeah, Instagram is I have a love hate relationship for because it, it does offer a platform, but it is a uh, a private platform by definition, and so they do not have to abide by the rules of the Constitution, and they can kind of create their own guidelines. That being said, eh, what can you do? Um, you can't stop me. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing, and I'll see you guys next week always great having you and uh, we do have our freedom of speech and not that it's always represented on these platforms but uh hopefully they'll get you your platform back here soon as you've been able to in the past so i think it's just a bump in the road and uh, we'll see you next week brandon thanks for joining us and the american one last and certainly not least jack thanks for hosting as always and peace out to everyone brandon left i didn't get to say goodbye to him but um it's always good chatting it up with you, with uh, the panel and talking cannabis. And I didn't make it into chat very often, but uh, I love everyone there. And uh, yeah, grows love in Doc's absence. And peace out, everybody. We'll uh, see you over there. Yeah, we'll see you at the Michigan Bros Grow Show. They just started yep. about a minute ago, so I won't keep you too yeah, long. Yeah. I was going to run down a list of flavors, but I'm going to save that for a green stock talk. So it'll inspire me to do a little bit more content. Maybe I'll even drop it on the Cheap Home Grow because I don't really use my YouTube at all. But uh, we'll see. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. I'm Jack Greenstock. I'm going to cover up my thing so you can see that's my Instagram at Jack Greenstock. You could also email me, jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com and or find me on Twitter, Jack underscore Greenstock. And if you'd like a copy of my book, 50 Strains of Green, that is on 50strains.com, 50strains.com. No 50 strains of green because 50 strains of purple is coming out later this year. I'm working on it. I've gotten a lot of great submissions from the growers in this community. I put out all 50 strains for 50 strains purple on my Instagram. So if you check it out and you've grown some of those strains before and you have photos of them and you'd like to be featured in the book, I'd love it if you'd submit some of those photos in the highest quality via email to me um, to help make this more of a community-driven project and to highlight some of the awesome growers 
that are uh, definitely growing these awesome strains that I'm going to be highlighting. So with that said, I rambled on pretty long and we're two minutes now into the Michigan Bros Grow Show, but love you all. It's been a great show. Make sure to tap that thumbs up button if you'd like to before you uh, get going on out of here and have a great rest of your week. Growers love and uh, Jack Greenstock signing out. Grower love for Dr. MJ. We'll uh, see you next week.